now that we're friends Here is an album you would like Here is a book you would like I think you'd like my cat and also my dog Because we're friends Now that we're friends Now that we're friends Now that we're friends Now that we're friends, friends. Hello and welcome to Now That We're Friends the podcast that takes your life questions and gives you homework. All right. How are you guys doing this week? Great. <laughs> couldn't be Good. better. Succ- succinct. Yeah. <laughs> Just couldn't be better or I couldn't stand it. I think that I think my grandparents are like I know my mom I know my mom says it and I think she says that like maybe my dad says it. somebody one of my parents says it and then they say one of their parents always says, like, any better? And I couldn't stand it. <laughs> that is the opposite of something my grandfather used to say, which was if he if he did not like something, but he was like, whatever, it's, fi- it's fine, mm-hmm. kind of, you would say, I don't know. Like, it, what comes to mind is we went on, when I was in the fourth grade, my grandparents took me to Disney World, and the Tower of Terror was, like, fairly new, and we went on the Tower of Terror, and my grandfather was, like, hesitant about whether or not he would go, and he decided to go, and then I asked him afterward if he liked it, and he goes, it was fine. I needed it like a third armpit, but it was fine. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard third arm. I've I've never heard third armpit. (laughs) Third armpit. That's good. That's pretty good. He liked to judge some things up. (laughs) I like it. Anne, how are you? I'm good. I had a really long and busy week. It was also exciting. We had a big event at work. We have a new U.S. Poet Laureate, Joy Harjo. Yay! And That's really exciting. We celebrated her on Thursday night at the Library of Congress, and it was incredible. We had record crowds, like 700 people showed up. We had to turn people away for poetry, which felt incredible. Mm-hmm. That's really We cool. filled the auditorium plus two overflow rooms plus people like left because there was no room left. Um, it was great. It was powerful. She played her saxophone and her native flute, and so the whole reading was like, a reading and a performance with her band and as our first Native American Poet Laureate it was just really powerful and moving and to have it like at the seat of government to have this like performance this like Native American performance in a federal position like a, bu- a yeah. building of the federal government is really I like that a lot I mean it's yeah it's huge um and it was just it. People traveled from all over the country, people from her family, her native nation, and it was just like a big, important celebration. So it was a busy week, but it was really rewarding, and yay, Joy Harjo. That's awesome. I love her work. That is awesome. And then I took Friday off, and it was great. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. (laughs) I had a, I mean, some might say equally important event. Um, yeah, on, uh, on Thursday, my dog and I got to meet an internet famous dog. <laughs> yes. And I was thrilled. So we went down to Athens. So it was like a two hour drive. It's really not that bad. And so we drove down and I, like, I didn't know whether I wanted to go. I didn't know, like, 
I don't know. I thought it was going to be stupid or I thought like there was going to be too many people and I was going to like chicken out and I'll just like go and then just like maybe take a picture from afar and be like, oh, there they are. But everything really cool. And so it was like this, it's called Yappy Hour. They called it Yappy Hour. <laughs> um, and it was oh, like dog puns are the best. Yeah. It was actually I have a story about a dog pun later that I won't tell you about. <laughs> um, uh, I bet you do. Yeah. So it was like an, it's, it's to benefit like the Athens Era Humane Society. They, and, um, they've also, so this is from the Doggist. I'll go ahead and back up. The company, the Doggist, they came down, um, well, some of them came down and they're like doing a little bit of a tour through all of the graduate hotels in different college towns. And it was cool because we just basically walked it. Like I walked to the bar where they're having this yappy hour and um, <laughs> like Finn was right there and Henry, his dad. And um, I didn't want to bother him because it seemed like Henry was having a talk with Finn. So like I was just let, let him hang out for a little bit. We went inside and then they walked in. Everybody was talking to each other. Everybody was friends. Everybody was petting everyone's dog. Everybody was drinking beer. It was great. And everybody loved my dog. Naturally. The end. The end. <laughs> um, most importantly, my dog won. <laughs> Your dog got featured on the cookie yes. cam. Yeah, on the cookie cam. Three times. Three times missing a cookie. And which failed was my every favorite. time. Yeah. But what's, what you didn't see was after that second one, um, Elias like just like threw him a cookie offhandedly. Like offhand, is it, uh, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, Hubble just was like, okay, I'll catch it. And he caught it. Yeah, so that's what made him the performance do. anxiety pressure was yeah. off. Yeah. And as we know, Hubble is a very anxious dog. That's true. That he is, which is so strange because he fell in love with the, the UGA mascot because he was there, Harry Dog. One thing about me, one of the biggest things about me. <laughs> Tell us, Gail. One of the most important things about myself is that I am terrified of costumed people masks. and masks. Oh, yeah. Do not, well, number one, I don't like it if you try and perform when I'm not, like, if, if, like, a performer comes up to me and is, like, in performance, I will punch them. Like, I can't stand it. We were at, <laughs> I, we were at, like, um, some sort of thing in England, and it was, we were at some sort of palace, I don't know, and we passed by these, like, three women in costume, and they, like, looked at us, and they were like, ah, gorgeous day today, is it? And I was just like, No. Don't like yourself. Like I hate, I hate everything about this because it makes. Because like I guess it's like part of me. Like I want to, I want to join in, and I'm like, no, I can't. I have to be cool. Like I'm, I'm in my time. So it gets, it makes me really confused. So anyway, the point is, oh, and so number one, I hate costumes and like when people are performing in that way. But then number two, I hate it when your eyes are covered up. I hate the fact that like I, when I'm talking to you, I can't see your eyes. And so, like, I don't know whether, because, like, sometimes I know that in costumes and mascots, they can see through the mouth, you know? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, in the yeah. mouth part, they can see. And then sometimes it's, like, through the neck, you know? So I'm, like, I'm, like, trying to talk to them. And so I'm, like, should I talk to their fake eyes or should I talk to their mouth? Yeah. Which is their eyes. Also, so, like, you don't know what kind of shady character is yeah. in that costume. So yeah. my... people who've gotten their butt touched by Chuck E. Cheese, definitely. Oh, gross. Yeah. My cousin, Kristen, used to work at Disney World, and she used to work, like, behind the scenes, and she would see, like, all the people in costume, like, goofy, like, on his 
smoke break and she said it was mm-hmm. just one of the most like disorienting alienating <laughs> things she's yeah. ever seen because these awful. are just like normal people some of them not so normal yeah but like this is their job Why are you being goofy dude and then yeah. they're like being goofy and they're uh-huh, hanging out uh-huh. with children and maybe some of them shouldn't be and so yeah i mean stranger danger you know what yeah. i'm saying yeah indeed well this mascot seemed like a really nice person I'm oh, sure he was. Good. Yeah. <laughs> That's the and so he, story. <laughs> well, so my dog would normally be scared of it because he's scared of everything. And I think he was maybe at first. And then I think like just like real quickly, the mascot came over and like petted him with his big old, with his big old paw. And it was basically just like a giant blanket, his paw. And so Hubble was like all over it. <laughs> Keep touching me. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> hey, I have these pictures of him just like looking up at, like in love with this mascot. Um, so anyway, it was, it was really fun. I love people at the Doggist. I got to talk to Henry about hiking and I told him to come back to the North Georgia mountains and hopefully he does. And we talked about people being stinky. We did that too. Just because we were talking about hiking and not showering. I didn't tell him that like not showering is a thing that I like to do outside of hiking. Um, (laughs) No. (laughs) You'll, you'll wait to tell him that until later. Yeah. It's time for later. I had a cold and like a couple weeks ago and I decided my sister has this deodorant. It's like this like all natural deodorant and it smells like roses. And I mm, would like what I have. There were several times where I picked her up and I was like, you smell so good. What do you like? What's rose smell? And she was like, oh, my armpits. What's her so brand? I, like, tar- I don't remember what it's called. Okay. I have it. It's called it. like it's not called like live, laugh, love, but it's something. Like oh, that. it's like is it beauty, the target world and and planet. The target brand. It's like um I bought it at Target, yeah. but I don't know if it's a Target brand. They do, like, a bunch of, like, all-natural stuff, like beauty products, but also, like, they have, like, laundry detergent and stuff. No, I, they may not be a Target. I was so sure it was Target, but I have – so I'm – yes, I, I have that deodorant now, and I love it. So Sorry. I got it while I had a cold. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to treat myself with this rose deodorant because I feel mm-hmm. bad. And I started using it, and I was like, oh, I feel very dry. I feel very – but I had no sense of smell because I have a cold. And then, like, Tuesday, my sense of smell came back, and I was like, oh, shit, this does not work for me. Aww. I am smellier than I should be. So just don't buy new scent-dependent products while you are unable to maybe smell I, is maybe something I, I've learned. Smell and I just don't know about it. No, you're not as sweaty as me. I find that like antiperspirants, you can wear them, but I can wear them. Uh, if like if I put it on two days ago, it still would like work because it like still is kind of hanging out. But as far as like because that's like the because it's blocking the sweat, right? But then right. if it's in a deodorant, then I have to put it on at the beginning of each day. I don't make it. Through yeah, anti antiperspirants do shit a, for me. Like antiperspirant yeah. might as well not I think be on the, the label. Op- the op- the opposite do you mean the opposite what i think we're a little bit um off the rails here <laughs> i think we are too <laughs> caroline how was your week i have had kind of a rough week my grandmother is very ill which is hard but i wanted to share some bright spots in my rough week and one is that last week i was at the hospital in my grandmother's room and my brother and sister-in-law brought their kids in and they are um simone is one and arlo is five and an x-ray tech came in to take an x-ray of my grandmother's chest. And he was like, okay, everyone out. Um, and Arlo, the five-year-old, goes, are you sure? Because I've always wanted to see a picture of the inside of somebody. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and the x-ray chick was like, okay, I'll show you the picture, but you got to get, get it, get the fuck out of here. Um, um, get a nice so healthy dose of radiation. <laughs> right. But also we walk out and his mom, my sister-in-law, Katie is like freaking psychopath. <laughs> like, um, and then my other bright spot is I'm teaching a workshop right now on it's an ekphrastic poetry workshop and it's just been so much fun and people are really great and super into it and one of my students has gotten obsessed it's this guy Danny he's gotten obsessed with um works of art that are cursed and I had asked them to bring in um an image to use for our in-class writing exercise and then like he like it was like a thing where I had them swap and then write something and then they were passing it around to see what everyone had brought and so his image gets passed all the way around and then he's like well that's a cursed work of art (laughs) (laughs) and then he sent like to the group he's like here's a cursed song and we're like Danny (laughs) what song was it? Cut it out man I don't remember I could look it up and tell you was it Gloomy Sunday? no let me look real quick um I haven't listened to it yet. He recommended listening to it on headphones, so I would say I maybe gonna... don't do it if it's cursed. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm good. I'm not really. I don't believe in curses, so oh, it's okay. shit. Now that you said that, though. Say, hedge your bets, man. Yeah. yeah now, if we're in a sitcom, this is this episode's going downhill. Yeah. <laughs> no, he actually he didn't tell me the name of it. It just says curse. His his email t- uh, uh, subject line is curse song. Listen at own risk. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you know he's being upfront. Yeah. There's a song that I really liked in high school. It was Gloomy Sunday. And Sarah McLaughlin sang it. And um, it is an old, um, old, 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 old song. And, like, apparently there's, it's a cursed song. Because, like, everybody who's ever sung it and, and, like, everybody who hears it, like, murders happen and suicides happen, like, because of the song. It's mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, it's pretty sad. But, like, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's just, like... <laughs> Sunday's gloomy. It kind of sucks, you know? <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, should we listen to our question for this week? Let's do it. Sweet. Hi, friends. Um, I'm wondering if you can help me give my nephew a little bit of advice. I was telling him about this podcast, and he said he'd like some advice on going into high school. He's 13 years old. He's really wonderful. Of course, I'm a biased aunt, but he plays classical music on the piano. He does parkour, and he's an artist, and he'd just like some advice about high school. This is a really exciting one to answer, I love I it. Think. I love this question so much. Um, let's pick names for nephew and aunt. Our nephew can be named... Uh, Tyler. Roger. Tyler oh, or Roger. Tyler's good. Not Roger doesn't sound like a thirteen-year-old, and Aunt Susie. <laughs> Aw, Aunt Susie, I like that. <laughs> okay, cool. So, should we talk about Tyler's question? Well, Susie's question for Tyler a little bit. Yeah, I relate a lot to Susie and to Tyler because one, I was like a sensitive, artsy thirteen-year-old a little bit worried about high school Mm -hmm. (laughs) and now I am an aunt of sensitive sweet boys (laughs) so this just charmed me a lot yes I feel very similarly and this question really just transported me back in a real visceral way Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. to entering high school and all of the mixed feelings. Yeah, I remember at my high school they had a thing where um, freshmen started before the rest of the school. Mm-hmm. You know, on a Tuesday, freshmen went in, and you had a day of just freshmen to kind of get comfortable. And then Wednesday, the whole, like, school with upperclassmen and everything. And I remember just feeling miserable because I was like, yeah, we're delaying it a day. Yeah. <laughs> but then but then I'm going to be a freshman in high school with all these big people, and it's going to be so scary. <laughs> yeah, we did that <laughs> and too. It, yeah. And it was fine. <laughs> yeah. But I was just thinking how, like, each year of high school is so, like, you, you it's so different. Each Like, you are a different human being, even just, bio, bio, like, biologically. You're a different human being every single year because, like, you're still a growing body and a growing brain and a growing human. And, like, what you need now is, like, how to deal with just this, like, freshman year. And then, I don't know, it just seems like high school was just involved, like, such a big era of time. Yeah. You know? You're super dynamic at that yeah, point in time. Yeah, a very good way to explain that. <laughs> what kind of suggestions do we have for Tyler? Tyler, I really recommend watching the TV show Freaks and Geeks, which is one of my favorite TV shows of all time, and also was a TV show that came on the air around the time that I was starting high school, and also took place in Michigan, which is where I'm from, so there were a lot of parallels there. But it's just a show that kind of takes you through all of the ups and downs of finding yourself among your friends, in changing friend groups, finding yourself within yourself, and all the friction that comes along with that, with like forming your self-image, and how you relate to other people, and starting fresh, and There are particular episodes that I would recommend, though I do recommend the whole show, and it is on Netflix. The pilot is extraordinary, and as we've talked about in previous episodes, as Gail has so deftly talked about TV pilots, kind of, (laughs) all of our characters kind of thrown in and dealing with this central issue of, like, you know, there's there's some sort of wrench that's thrown in and someone is kind of dealing with a problem and, and starting fresh. And so we start with this high school junior, Lindsay, whose grandmother just died, and she's really kind of facing some existential issues with rebellion. She's, like, coming from this place of being kind of a goody-goody. She's academically doing well. She's a mathlete, and there are some really great scenes in this show of mathlete competitions, which are incredible. (laughs) She's dealing with that issue of, like, well, who am I now? Do I want to be this goody-goody? She's kind of finding this new group of friends who have a different outlook, and those are sort of the freaks of the Freaks and Geeks title. Her younger brother, Sam is one of the geeks and so it kind of follows those two as the central characters and kind of their their struggles but you see them in this pilot kind of 
dealing with their own, like, awkwardness and Lindsay decides not to be a mathlete anymore and Sam decides to stand up to one of his bullies and it's just this really great, like, beginning to this coming-of-age show about how difficult high school can be, but also, like, the friendships that you form and just how you sort of can come to terms with yourself and find some balance. And I have, like, a whole list of episodes with their summaries, but I'm not going to go through them right now, Tyler, because I think that you should just watch the show and, like, eat it up because it's great. <laughs> yeah, I love that show, too. And something that's so great about it is that the teenagers, the, the actors playing the teenagers are actual teenagers. Because usually when you see teen dramas or comedies, it's like the hottest high school you've ever seen in your life where everyone's like perfectly quaffed and has like oh, yeah. beautiful clothes. And yeah. And these look like actual real teenagers. The um, younger, the younger in, actors are actual teenagers. And the other ones are like 18, 19. Like they're just mm-hmm. a bit older than, right? Well, like, the girl like... who plays Lindsay was 25. But I think the right. rest are like actual teenagers. Sorry, you can take that out. Yeah. They're... <laughs> no, no, that's okay. I think it's it's good to be accurate. But they are, for the most part, actual, you know, actually in that age range. And they look it and they, yeah. you know, ver- very naturally act it. And so it feels more kind of true to life (laughs) yeah and what I also love is that the actors on the show and this started airing in 1999 Mm -hmm. where you get to see some of the first kind of breakout roles from Seth Rogen and Busy Phillips and Martin Starr and Linda Cardellini Mm -hmm. I mean the list goes on but yeah John John Daly Daly. thank you Sam Mm mm-hmm He's so cute. <laughs> but what's great about the show, and that you're right, Caroline, is that not only are these kind of, like, real teenagers playing teenagers, but the show has such, like, heart and integrity mm-hmm. about really kind of demonstrating what it truly is like to be in high school and to be in high school not as, like, one of the popular kids. And not saying Tyler one way or the other that you identify with any of these particular characters, but it's good to see like a refreshing kind of real glimpse into the trials and tribulations of growing up and what being a teenager and being in high school throws at you. I have a suggestion that's related, um, which is that I was suggesting, and Tyler, you might already be doing this, but I suggested Stranger Things. And I think it's funny, I didn't think of Freaks and Geeks, but there are some, I mean, obviously the setting and overarching plots of those shows are different, but the character makeup is kind of similar, where you have you have the older teens, and then you have like the younger mm-hmm. siblings that are like the younger teens. Um, and I think that's a really great way to look at high school. Because, and I actually think in Stranger Things that the younger ones start out as middle school students, but still, it's like that older, younger dynamic. Because something that is so strange about high school, Tyler, is how deeply hierarchical it is in many ways. So there's the age thing with like underclassmen, upperclassmen, but then there's also all the like social groups. And I think both of those shows do a really good job of showing how those things, um, kind of put stress on people in high school but then the characters are also 
able, in spite of those things, to forge really great friendships with people who get them. Um, and so that's why I was going to recommend Stranger Things. But I think it's also a reason that I think both of those shows would be good for kind of the same reasons, even though I think Freaks and Geeks does a better job of focusing on the high school life part of, of things. Yeah. And I think both two in different ways help put things in perspective, too, from like that age of your life. Yeah. Sorry if I can just go back to Freaks and Geeks for a second. One of my Do favorite it. scenes it. from the pilot of Freaks and Geeks is so Lindsay, the older teen main character, she, I mean, I can give spoilers. This show is literally 20 years old and you're going to go through it differently, Tyler. But Lindsay essentially gets caught cutting class and her punishment is she has to go to the guidance counselor who is maybe one of the best uh, characters on a TV show ever. He's so great. And her punishment is because she's such an academically advanced student, instead of like suspending her or giving her detention, he's like, you know what? Here's what you need to do. You need to help staff the homecoming dance. And at the homecoming dance, she's, you know, she's just being like kind of, she's frustrated. She's embarrassed. She doesn't want to be there. And Mr. Rosso turns to her and says, you know, if the worst thing in your life is somebody makes you go to a dance, then I'd say you have a pretty good life. Like one of the (laughs) quotes, and this sounds so dorky, but like that quote, and because I watched this in high school, put so much in perspective. Mm -hmm. Because it's just like, Tyler, high school is exciting and it's exhausting in so many ways, you also have to remember to put things in perspective. I had a teacher, he was the best teacher I had in high school, and I had some really good ones, but Mr. Sando was like a top-notch teacher. And I had him for AP American History and then AP Economics. And in AP American History, it was my junior year, and the test felt really, really hard. You know, there's just like with history, there's so much you have to remember. There's so much. And he was such an intense student or such an intense teacher. And he kind of expected a lot of us as students. And it was like, you know, he only taught one section of that class. There were only like 15 of us that got into it. It was like this bit, you know. And so everything felt very pressurized. And I remember um, heading into AP test that year, like the stress level of the students was pretty palpable and at my school I I went to a pretty small school like junior year was the first time we were offered AP classes so it was like everyone's first AP test and like whatever and it seemed like so big and I remember him who was he was so serious like so serious and he said guys no one test defines you no matter what happens you're still gonna be you and it's okay (laughs) And I was like, well, if he's saying it, then it must be true. (laughs) Because up to this point, I've thought that I would be a huge disappointment if I failed this test because (laughs) Mr. Sando had put so much work into me, you know. And he was like, it's just a test. It's okay." (laughs) So, yeah, remember those things. That's great. Yeah. And I think I mean, it's it's something I've been thinking about. Really, what this has just made me do is go back to my high school. Uh, years, which I know this all this year yeah. too. I just 
I blocked out so much of high school. I like don't mm-hmm. have a memory of it because it was not good. And so I have a hard, t- I'm having a hard time kind of like trying to remember things that happened in it and like how, yeah. what helped me. But I've been thinking a lot about this because at, on some level it does matter, right? Because it is your formative years. It is, you know, you do want to do pretty well in, in high school so that you can go to college if you want and you can do the, you know, you can kind of like, you. there are things that matter. So it's it's balancing and like finding your friends matters. Doing, you know, finding the things that you enjoy so that you can kind of start getting into them matters, right? Like, but really it doesn't matter. It, none of the things that you, none of the decisions that you make in high school are going to, they will uh, like affect you, but it doesn't have to be negative in any way. But like you can always, like it doesn't define anything. It's just kind of going to be the thing that you start doing. And so like I was thinking about how some things matter and it's things like building confidence and be, learning how to be yourself and trying to find friends that matter, right? And not caring and, you know, like trying to find ways to genuinely exist in the world. And then at the same time, there are things that don't matter. Grades aren't that important. Fail, you know, trying to find the best and most popular friend group isn't that important in the long run. So I don't know. It's like, it's just trying to figure out the balance of what do you particularly find important and want to be challenged by. Yeah. I think what's hard about high school is that it really is kind of, a testing ground for the rest of your life and you're going to learn a lot of things about yourself and about how you can find the balance between being yourself but also getting out of your comfort zone and getting involved in things that maybe you wouldn't otherwise Mm -hmm. like the balance between like living in the moment and relinquishing control, but also trying to stay grounded and focus either academically or socially. I mean, I think it's it's like a Petri dish that you're living in for, mm-hmm. for three to four years. My <laughs> high school was weirdly only three years. High school was 10th to 12th grade, yeah. which is a whole other weird thing. But it is. It's kind of like a Petri dish. And so... No, but it really works. Try stuff out. Make decisions, but don't let them define you. Yeah, exactly. And and then that's hard. Yeah. But um, But you'll look back later and and see, like, the threads of you becoming who you are. I have um, a poem for Tyler that kind of gets at the things you guys are talking about right now. Um, So I, this is a poem I know we all really love. It's um, Elizabeth Bishop's In the Waiting Room. Boo, Bishop. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We love Liz Bish. Liz Bop, Bish Bop. Sorry, take that out. (laughs) So the, the speaker in this poem is reflecting on a time when she's actually seven years old, which like is the age of reason and like becoming aware of things. But I actually think your teenage years are kind of another step of that where you're just kind of thinking yourself as like a person in the world, like you're growing, you're become, you're like kind of coming of age and you're like, who am I going to be? And the truth is that that will continue to be super dynamic as you get older. But it it feels in high school like, oh, I've got to define who I am. And in certain ways, you know, that's an important, like, developmental stage. At that age, you are kind of figuring out who you are. But this poem is kind of about, in some ways, kind of about coming to terms with being a, a person in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I'll go ahead and read this to you. In the waiting room, 
In Worcester, Massachusetts, I went with Aunt Consuelo to keep her dentist appointment and sat and waited for her in the dentist's waiting room. It was winter. It got dark early. The waiting room was full of grown-up people, arctics and overcoats, lamps and magazines. My aunt was inside what seemed like a long time, and while I waited I read the National Geographic. I could read, and carefully studied the photographs. The inside of a volcano, black and full of ashes. Then it was spilling over in rivulets of fire. Osa and Martin Johnson, dressed in riding breeches, laced boots and pith helmets. A dead man slung on a pole. Long pig, the caption said. Babies with pointed heads wound round and round with string. Black naked women with necks wound round and round with wire, like the necks of light bulbs. Their breasts were horrifying. I read it right straight through. I was too shy to stop. And then I looked at the cover, the yellow margins, the date. Suddenly from inside came an O oh of pain, Aunt Consuela's voice, not very loud or long. I wasn't at all surprised. Even then I knew she was a foolish, timid woman. I might have been embarrassed, but I wasn't. What took me completely by surprise was that it was me, my voice, in my mouth. Without thinking at all, I was my foolish aunt. I, we, were falling, falling, our eyes glued to the cover of the National Geographic, February 1918. I said to myself, three days and you'll be seven years old. I was saying it to stop the sensation of falling off the round turning world into cold blue-black space. But I felt, you are an I, you are an Elizabeth, you are one of them. Why should you be one too? I scarcely dared to look to see what it was I was. I gave a sidelong glance. I couldn't look any higher, at shadowy gray knees, trousers and skirts and boots and different pairs of hands lying under the lamps. I knew that nothing stranger had ever happened, that nothing stranger could ever happen. Why should I be my aunt or me or anyone? What similarities, boots, hands, the family voice I felt in my throat, or even the National Geographic and those awful hanging breasts, held us all together or made us all just one? How? I didn't know any word for it. How? Unlikely. How had I come to be here, like them, and overhear a cry of pain that could have got loud and worse but hadn't? The waiting room was bright and too hot. It was sliding beneath a big black wave, another and another. Then I was back in it. The war was on. Outside in Worcester, Massachusetts, were night and slush and cold, and it was still the 5th of February, 1918. I love it. Ugh. Yeah. I love that poem so much, but I think like what it really captures, Tyler, that I think you might experience is that what we go through in these like big developmental stages is like the most normal thing that everyone goes through. But when it's happening to you, it doesn't feel normal. It feels mm -hmm. so weird and so specific and so big and sometimes very hard or disorienting. And so I, that's why I think you might enjoy that poem. Yeah. When it's, I mean, you are kind of looking how to define yourself. And I think the, one of the good things about high schools these days um, is that they tend to have all these different groups that like that are a part of the school that you can have that we I didn't have when I was in high school so like if you like to play board games there's probably a board game group or you can make one yourself you know there's like all sorts of and I think man these these young kids these days they just like do stuff themselves so I feel like like my students at Young Harris they just like they want to do something and They've already decided, like they, they're like, well, I'll, I'll just figure out how to, to, how to email this person and, and make this decision and get this group up. And it's like, when I was growing up, I just thought I had to have permission for everything and I needed, I, I, it, it didn't seem possible that I could do it, but I feel like 
and I think that's one of the reasons why there are so many groups and stuff in, in high school is because kids are just like, hey, well, I like Dungeons and Dragons. Can you make a group about Dungeons and Dragons? I think probably other people would like it too. And then suddenly you have a group where you're friends and you all play Dungeons and Dragons together. And I think that's really fun. And, and, you know, it's not just about games, but you could, you know, there's something that you think is important. I'm sure there's, you know, all sorts of other kinds of groups. Yeah, um, like par- parkour or right. orchestra or right. Yeah. art. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, but it's, it's fun to look for things that can help you figure out who you are. But then it's also really hard because, like, I think capitalism and branding does, has been in the last, like, 10 years has really dug a hole into identity and, like, who we think we are. We... We have this thought that, you know, that like liking Star Wars or that like, you know, that, you know, wearing a franchise's shirt or wearing franchise, you know, like having a lot of the franchise stuff tends to like will figure help us figure out what our identities are. And then you can and it, it does really help because it kind of helps you find often like minded people. But then it's also I don't know, it's also something that like I I tend to resist because I'm like, oh, man just liking things and having interest isn't your like that's not your personality who you are is something way beyond that but having those interests can help you figure out who you are yeah it's a starting it's a starting point yeah it's also like a way to to keep a focus when there's all this other superficial stuff that's happening all of this kind of mind games and politics that can go on that seem really important but it's really all about you being as genuine as possible and yeah. if you are being genuine, then you're going to be happy and you're going to be you're going to feel fulfilled, even if you happen to not be in the group that like is deemed most important or most popular. Or like, I mean, I like I basically kind of was led into thinking that I should never have like should never be in band or shouldn't, you know, be in an orchestra or anything like that, because it's something that like I was told that only nerds did and that like. You know, it's social suicide if you wanted to do that. Turns out, it's just like it's not. Number one, not even in not even in my high school, it wasn't. Um, but then also, like, I would have been so much happier if I'd have just like let myself enjoy playing musical instruments in high school, and you know, and not cared so much about like how it looked or how I felt. But if I just I just kind of went with my interests and decided to join band, I would be so much happier than if I you know than trying to be a part of another kind of group that I didn't really feel like I jived with. So yeah. like go with the thing that you jive with. Yeah. yeah. Navigating that is so hard. It really is. And as someone who fully embraced band <laughs> in high school, not only band, but marching band. And also I played in the pit band for all of the musicals and also I did this thing called stage band, which was like a before school where we would play like jazz standards and stuff. I don't even remember why, but it was was like, it wasn't jazz band because I played the oboe and then I was (laughs) like, and then I like went to orchestra camps and then I was also in an orchestra on the side. Anyway, I, I fully, I don't know where I'm going with this, but. No, but you made friends and you I fully embraced band and I only I guess I only had now looking back at high school, I only had one really good friend who was not also (laughs) in band (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) or theater or I mean there was a lot of like intermingling between between the two. But like I look back on that now because 
in high school, I hated high school because I hated all of the social pressure. And I also, I mean, even though I embraced being in band, like, I never, I also worried about, like, being cool and not wearing the right things and wanting to have friend, wanting to have other friend groups. And, but now looking back, I'm just like, high school wasn't that bad for me because it's also that perspective thing where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, there were bad moments and I made some bad decisions about like people to hang out with. But all in all, I feel like I did, I did okay. And again, it doesn't, it didn't define the rest of my life. Yeah. That was just a little, a little tangent, but mostly band, <laughs> mostly band related. Band is great. So yeah. I think, yeah, definitely. And, and I'm sure, again, if it's like, I mean, my high school was so small, we didn't have anything. And it was just like such a weird magnet high school that like, it, I don't remember where I was going with this. Um, yeah, join band. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but one thing I am saying is that like, there's a lot of, like, there's this idea of like, it doesn't matter. And I thought there were so many things that were traumatic because I made them traumatic. And, like, I put so much pressure on this thing happening. Where if I had just laughed at myself or, like, shrugged something off and then moved on, it would have been 100% fine. It may actually be a big deal. If you in front of people pretend like it's silly and it's no big deal and you laugh at yourself, there is nothing that they can do or that anyone, that anything can do to you if you already are just like, whatever. So that makes me think one of, it was one of the first weeks of high school, maybe even the very first week. And um, my high school did not have a cafeteria at the time I went there. And so we ate outside in this like covered pavilion and there were picnic tables and they were the metal picnic tables where the benches are attached with like those like loopy things that go around. So if two tables are too close to each other in a row, there are like these big loops that like you have to walk between. Mm-hmm. And I was standing, I went to Catholic school, I had a like plaid skirt on, (laughs) and I was standing and talking to someone during lunch, and I stepped back, and my leg got caught by one of those like loopy things, and I just like went down on my ass, like skirt up, and I was with my still very good friend, Julie, and she said she remembered for a moment being like, oh no, please don't cry. And I... I there was like a moment of silence and then I burst out laughing and she was like oh my god I'm so relieved I was so relieved when you laughed instead of cried and it really was it was just like whatever like I fell on my ass it's cool whatever it doesn't matter but I think that that you're right Gail that if you take things too seriously which is not to say that you shouldn't care about anything but if you take yourself too seriously then you're constantly gonna feel on edge and yeah yeah you you don't have to do that yeah everything feels like a trauma Yeah, and you're constantly going to be thinking that everybody's talking about you when that's probably not true. We are, though, on this podcast right now, though. (laughs) I mean, we are literally talking about you, Tyler, but... Yeah. Yeah, we like you. (laughs) Yeah. But that's also something that I learned in high school and that I still have to remember as an adult is that, like, nobody thinks as much about you as you think (laughs) they do. They're thinking that much about themselves. (laughs) Yes, especially in high school, everybody is basically having the same concern and they are dealing with it very differently, sometimes Mm -hmm. kindly, 
sometimes not so kindly, sometimes aggressively, but I just think that's always something to keep in mind. And of course, there are always exceptions. There's always bullies, but bullies also are mostly thinking mm-hmm. about themselves yeah. and not about you. So it's good to keep that in perspective, One too. of the things I wanted to recommend to you, Tyler, is the movie Almost Famous, <laughs> which is just <laughs> such a good movie. But it's about the, – the main character is this young boy who's, like, really into – music and help me remember here does he do photography or does he write he writes he just right? writes yeah okay he's he really into music and into writing about music and he gets this gig where he's able to like follow this band around and he's gonna write about them and he is a Tyler he seems like someone you would be friends with like he's he's artistic and he's sensitive and he's kind of the way your aunt described you to us um and he's also really talented and he's really interested in music and he's really like this is a huge exciting thing for him um and then there are some other people his age who are kind of like hanging with the band and then the band is older and he goes through a journey in this film where he's he's kind of he's our main character but he's also set up kind of observing everything um and taking it all in and sort of making decisions about who he is and what he's going to be based on the, his filtering of, of what he watches from these other people. And there's a lot of, in this movie, I don't want to give you much more about the plot than that, but there's a lot in this movie about like coolness and fitting in and what's cool. And, and the curtain kind of comes up on that at a lot of points in the movie, and he gets to make those decisions. You know, we've been talking a lot to you about deciding what you care about. Um, and he gets to kind of make those decisions about what he cares about and what he can decide just not to give a shit about at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really just, I recommend that movie. I love it so much. It's a really good recommendation. Thanks. Mine is a little bit, so I don't know how much I recommend this. I mean, I recommend it in like the theoretical abstract sense, but Tyler, I think you might be a little too young for it. <laughs> As the mom of this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and make that decision. But Tyler, I think you're too young for this. However, I think the lessons that you can learn from this and maybe just for me talking about it will help a little bit. Um, but I somewhat recommend the show Sex Education on Netflix. I, I thought about that too, Gail. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's too young. He's 14. Yeah, he's going into high school. Gail. Jillian Anderson will not let her 13-year-old sons watch her show. Okay. I'll tell you that. Well, I'm a, I'm a cooler mom than Jillian Anderson. Well, <laughs> All right, cool continue, moms Gail. don't have cool kids. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> go go um, ahead, Gail. I don't. That, I mean, that's a rated R. That's a rated R show. I'm going to go ahead and say that. The first scene is sex. Literally the first scene is of sex. Yeah. I think there are, you know, some kids are old enough for rated R movies at 14 and some are not. And so that's a decision for Tyler and his mom. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. However, I don't feel as an adult that I want to specifically recommend it to Tyler so that Tyler feels like he has to see it. Mm-hmm. He can make that decision. But it's there right. if he wants right. to. I mean, I feel a little bit too young for this show. I'll tell you that. Um <laughs> And maybe Aunt Susie, you can help us yeah. decide yeah. if this is appropriate for Tyler yeah. or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so sex education, it's so much of it is um, mostly about Otis um, Milburn, who is, uh, I think, 
probably 16, right? I think he's going into their like 16, 15, 16, 17 year old high school. Um, and he's certainly like not at the top of the social food chain. He, you know, is kind of awkward. He doesn't really know how to talk to people. Um, his best friend, Eric, is similarly geeky and is gay and so gets a lot of bullying from that. And so like that's dealing with kind of their environment in school, but then also Otis's mom, and this is kind of where the sex education comes in, is that Otis's mom, Jillian Anderson, is um, like a renowned sex therapist and sex doctor. So like has all, so like their house is just filled with all of this sex stuff and she seems it seems like she'd be really cool and she's just so open to talking about sex and it's so great but like she's still his mom so like she's still totally embarrassing to him and but then like watching them go through that and like have how their relationship stays uh pretty intact I think that's and like watching them work through it I think is really it's really good to see as a as someone going into high school um but then also um I think overall the show just shows how um, how anxious and how insecure everybody is about themselves, how they present. And then, of course, here it's like focused a little bit more on like their identity or their, their, um, who they are, who, which is identity, um, their role, how important, like the importance of sex or what, what their kind of roles are in, in sex or how, you know, how they like it or whatever. And so a lot of people are just really insecure. And they don't talk about it. But then these things, you know, the way that the show works is that it goes through all of these different people in high school and even, some, you know, some of the adults in the show. Um, but it goes through each of their kind of um, backgrounds or their points of views. And you get to see how deeply insecure or how much they are not totally certain about what they're doing or how they feel about themselves um and they'll go through like the popular jock and turns out like he has all of these issues that he's trying to deal with and he has anxiety that he's been going through for years and years and years and that he you know is having some issues with his parents but then on the surface level he seems like this super hot dude and he has everything and um i'm thinking of like specifically one episode um when they find a picture when they do like the i forgot what it's called like photo baiting or something but they find like a nude picture of someone's junk and um they like it goes all around the school and it's this picture of this vag and they show it to everybody and they talk about how gross and disgusting and and stupid it looks and all this stuff and even as an adult it feel you're like i don't know this doesn't feel right looks like a normal vagina to me we could probably take <laughs> this part out but like <laughs> you know, it, like the, the picture goes around and you don't really know what the issue is, but everyone's making fun of it. Everyone's just like, man, this is so stupid. I hate it. Whoever did this is a loser. Like, they're probably a slut, blah, 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 blah. Turns out it's a picture of the most popular girl in school. And then people find out. And then at the end, um, they kind of like, you know, because so the show is a little bit based on fantasy. So they're like the principal gets up and there's like a big assembly and the principal gets up and is like, can someone tell me whose whose body is this on this on this picture? Someone tell you know tell us who it is. Which like, no principal would ever do that. No, <laughs> no, it's against the law. I think. Um, but what what happened? What what ends up happening at the end is like 
the entire, like so much of the school, I won't say the entire school, but like one by one, everybody, they do the like, I am Spartacus thing where like they get up, which actually Tyler, you may not get that reference, but they all get up and they, you know, the, the principal asks, whose vagina is this? And, you know, in, in order to like save this girl and make her feel better, everyone stands up and is like, that's my vagina. And then someone else is like, that's my vagina. And then like all the boys start going, that's my vagina. And it's just like this really nice moment when you realize that like, oh, they're like, everyone's just being mean and really none of this matters. And I don't know. It's And so what I really, and it shows kind of how she is insecure. It shows how, you know, the person who may act the worst actually feels this about themselves. And I don't know. I just think it's really... And it does a lot of it does a lot in a in in few episodes, or like in the first season, I'll say. Um, and so I just in general recommend it because I think it shows a lot of um, different sides to stories that are. I mean, it's it's a British soap opera TV show, so like it's a little bit again living in fantasy. Um, but I think it can teach us some pretty good lessons about how to feel good about ourselves and just be yourself. <laughs> I was trying to think, Tyler, of novels where the protagonists are about your age. And the one that I thought of that I really, really love, um, it's one of my favorite books, is The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by Michael Chabon. Um, and it's just, I don't want to tell you too much about it because I just really, really want you to read it. Um, it'll truly break my heart if you don't. But it's about two cousins who are about 14, 15 years old, and one has recently emigrated to the U.S., and they're living in New York, and they're super into comic books. They go to the World's Fair together. They're like friends and collaborators and also at times a little bit like rivals, and they're just sweet, thoughtful characters that I think you might connect with, and it's just such a great, fun, like expansive story. I love it so much. I love that book so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of my favorite books. Oh, I do have a I do have a quote to share from that. I almost forgot. In the immemorial style of young men under pressure, they decided to lie down for a while and waste time. Which I think is just so great because <laughs> that's a lot of what you're doing in high school is everything feels super pressurized, but then also you do a lot of nothing and a lot of time wasting and that's that's like what you're afforded in your youth so I think you'd really like that book and I wanted to share that quote from it I was also trying to think of books and movies I came up more with movies than literature with characters similarly like you Caroline of a similar age um, as Tyler and Mm -hmm. one of my favorite sort of that features actually for teenage boys who the summer before they go into high school is Stand By Me, which is based on a novella by Stephen King called The Body. I looked up the rating of the movie. It is rated R, but several critics have said that it's an R-rated movie that's actually a PG-13 movie, so take that as you will. I think the reason it's rated R is because the premise of the movie is them trying to find a dead body of one of their own. Um, Right. right. Another high school boy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and there's a lot of yeah. There's they there's, say a lot of shit too. That like it's not just like language that they like. The, what is it? Situational. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like adult situations. But adult situations. I mean, yes. Yeah. Ultimately, so it begins with um, Richard Dreyfus, who loved that Dreyfus. Yeah. I love Mr. just Holland. star of our hearts from the '80s. Really. Yeah. Looking back at this summer with his best friends and how. They were all kind of grappling with starting high school and how they would basically all be going separate ways academically and maybe socially. They all came, again, from from different, different backgrounds. Um, Gordy, who's kind of the main character, Richard Dreyfuss's character when he's young, um, played by Will Wheaton, who's also a sweet boy. I just want to put that out there. So it's like their last summer together before they go to high school and high school is already like weighing on their minds and Gordy is sort of the intellectual of the bunch and knows that, you know, they're not going to have classes together and some of them are troublemakers like his friend Chris played by River Phoenix, rest in peace. Um, These are all actors that you probably don't know, Tyler. Um, but that's okay. No, they're real You'll, touchstones of our youth, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Corey Feldman and Jerry O'Connell in his very first acting role ever. Ask Aunt Susie about them. <laughs> yes, ask your Aunt Susie. But I think, but so the moral of the story here, or the moral of my story here in watching Stand By Me, is that it is a really powerful story of teenage bonding and kind of grappling with your life changing as you grow up and maybe your friends won't be your friends forever but um kind of living in the moment um with some of that heaviness of of looking towards the future but I think their characters and the way that the ways that their lives just kind of converge um, in this movie, I mean, there's there's actually there's a there's a lot more weight in this movie, obviously, because they are searching for a dead body. Um, don't do that when you're don't yeah your don't friends. do that. Um, yeah. Maybe call the police. <laughs> yeah, you know. But there's also I'm realizing in this movie there's that younger versus older teenager perspective. Because mm-hmm. then um, Kiefer Sutherland is also in this movie as one of the older kind of troublemakers. And there's some rifts there between the older and younger teenagers. But I think, Tyler, you should watch Stand By Me. It's just a really great movie for kind of coming of age as a teenager and kind of figuring out who you are, who your friends are, and um, the things that may change and the things that stay the same. That's great, Anne. That's so good. Thank you. Really I awesome. love that movie. It remains one of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah. We all watched it together when you guys lived on, um, not Cherry Street. Where did you live? Chestnut Street. Did we really? Yeah. Aww. We did. I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I have a poem here. Nice. That you might like, Tyler. And I think, actually, my two friends, Anne and Caroline, might like it as well because it references Catholic school. Nice. Oh, boy. Um, 
<laughs> Except, sorry, Anne, it features a horn um, and not a reed instrument. I oh, my gosh. Apologize. I want to okay. tell you, I think I maybe texted you guys this, but my, my husband, Phil, is a sailing coach. And the other day, he was getting ready to leave for work, and he kept talking about this wind instrument, wind instrument, which, like, I was sleepy. So I was like, why does he freaking need an oboe? Like, what is he talking about? And he meant, like, an instrument that measures the wind for sailing. <laughs> I was like, it's like, please, you're, when you say wind instrument, I'm, like, clarinet town, USA. You got to be more clear. <laughs> Yeah. You should really I'm be like Oboe Town, USA. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Clarinet Town, USA. Population, yeah. Caroline. <laughs> yeah. So this poem is called um, At Last the New Arriving, and it's by Gabrielle Calvacaresi. Like the horn you played in Catholic school, the city will open its mouth and cry out, don't worry about nothing, don't mean no thing. It will leave you stunned as a fighter with his eyes swelled shut who's told he won the whole damn purse. It will feel better than any floor that's risen up to meet you. It will rise like Easter bread, golden and familiar in your grandmother's hands. She'll come back, heaven having been too far from home to hold her. Oh, it will be beautiful. Every girl will ask you to dance, and the boys won't kill you for it. Shake your head, dance until your bones clatter. What a prize you are. What a lucky sack of stars. Oh. <laughs> Right? So I just wanted to tell Tyler that you are such a prize. You are a lucky sack of stars. And That's a killer ending. Yeah. Well, I, I read the ending and I went, Anne's going to love that ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a sucker. Yeah. It's this feeling of arrival and it's this feeling of everything kind of going the way that you want it to or the way that, that it should be. Like, it's almost kind of this, it's fantastical, mm -hmm. right? But, like, it's thinking about really how beautiful things could be which then I think clarifies how beautiful things are right now I don't know I like it you sucky sack you sucky sucky <laughs> stars that's how I <laughs> Tyler you are not sucky <laughs> you lucky sack of stars you <laughs> that is a beautiful poem that is I also have a poem I would like to read nice that's okay Me too, after you <laughs> awesome poem corner I have a poem by Mary Rufel, who is Great. just one of my favorite poets. She's amazing. Of all time. And it is called The Hand. The teacher asks a question. You know the answer. You suspect you are the only one in the classroom who knows the answer, because the person in question is yourself, and on that you are the greatest living authority, but you don't raise your hand. You raise the top of your desk and take out an apple. You look out the window. You don't raise your hand and there is some essential beauty in your fingers, which aren't even drumming, but lie flat and peaceful. The teacher repeats the question. Outside the window, on an overhanging branch, a robin is ruffling its feathers and spring is in the air. That's beautiful. What a well-chosen poem, Ann Holmes. <laughs> oh, why, why, thank you, Gail. <laughs> I just think you are the living authority on yourself, and you don't have to prove that to anyone, Tyler. That's beautiful. My poem, I was thinking a little bit, well, I, I wanted to suggest a book to you, um, because when I 
first read this book, I had a brother-in-law. I still have him, but he's older now. But at the time, <laughs> he was a teenager, high school student. And I read this book. And, and he he's a very thoughtful, artistic guy. And I wanted to give him a book of poetry. And I gave him this book of poetry because I thought it was great for kind of that age. Um, and it's the first four books of Sam- Samson Starkweather by Samson Starkweather. <laughs> Um, and this is, it's like a big, thick volume, and it has four different books in it. Um, and they're all quite different. There's King of the Forest, and La La La, and uh, The Waters, and then also self-help poems. And I think you would like this whole book, but um, I found one poem that I wanted to share with you. So Samson's work is really, um, he, he's so good at, writing about pop culture in a way that doesn't feel (laughs) stupid like very often if I read like brand names in poems or things like that I'm just like like I just have this visceral reaction to it um because it often feels like very weirdly chosen like it's a time where you're super aware of the poet like constructing things but Samson's work is super laden with like pop culture and and it's not it does it's so intrinsic to what's happening in the poem that it's not this like popping out moment um and it doesn't feel stupid uh but then i was looking for which specific poem to read to you and i found this one um which i'll read and then i'll tell you why i think you'll like it it's from self-help poems the uh the poems in that book are not named so there's no title here when i was little everything hurt not like it hurts now not like spikes or iron lodged in my skin. It was more like the opposite of a kite, a premonition, like deja vu before you've learned the word, like finding your Christmas presents in the closet. Whenever I felt cheated or disappointed, my dad would say, that's life in the big city. He said it with a kind of glee that made me want to punch him. But even coming from bumfuck North Carolina, I knew when I grew up, I'd live in that (laughs) city. And what I love about that poem is I think it captures something that's so true when you're a teenager, which is that you start to feel grown in a way. And in some ways you are, you know, mm-hmm. um, but in in other ways, you're not. So you're in this middle space, which is hard. Like high school is very hard because adolescence is a time of transition and any time of transition is difficult. And so you're const- like you're totally in flux. Your body's changing. Like like you said, Gail, each year is different. Like freshman, sophomore, you know, there's so much flux in your life, which is unsettling. But also you're starting to feel grown and like you and like you're starting to know who you are and what you want. And and the adults in your life are um just out of out of like both truth and like necessity and maybe forgetting what it's like to feel like a teenager are still treating you like you're not grown um because in many ways you really aren't but that tension of like i know what i want dad (laughs) you don't know anything (laughs) about me um (laughs) i just think that samson gets at that in such a great uh and like quiet way yeah Mm -hmm. in that poem so yeah, so I hope you like that poem, and I hope you like the entire, all four of the first books of Samson Starkweather. I realize that everything that I have recommended, other than the Mary Rufel poem, is either filmed or set in the 1980s, <laughs> and I'm wondering why that is. I guess it's just my, the movies I yeah, the movies that- I grew up with and the shows that I grew up with, though Freaks and Geeks, 
just happened to take place in the 1980s. That's also like when teenagerhood became, I mean, I know like they say like the 40s and 50s is when they started to like create the teenager, but like 80s is when John Hughes films happened. The 80s is like when, let's like malls happened, you know, that's like it's such the like year of the teenager. And that's like I was looking up stuff about sex education and it's like so much of it is, it's like an updated John Hughes film. And it's like, that's a really good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. And even watching sex education I was like when is this supposed to be set because in some ways it's like the future and in some ways it's like very 1980s you don't know what the heck is going on as far as so it's like really playing on that 80s nostalgia yeah my last recommendation also takes place in the 80s or was was rather filmed in the 80s but set in the 50s which is to watch dead poet society Oh, yay. (laughs) Which everybody should watch. But, Tyler, you're a young artist and a young creative person. And this is such an inspirational movie in so many ways. I mean, it is a coming-of-age movie about, like, a group of teenage boys kind of finding finding themselves through their friendships and through poetry thanks to Robin Williams who is their new teacher at this boarding school academy in Vermont and he kind of brings all of these students together through poetry and teaches them that it's okay to express yourself in the way that you want to express yourself and I think that's a really important lesson. There are some very sad things that happen in this movie Tyler but um I just think it's an iconic yeah coming of age movie that any teenager or anyone in general should watch just about the power of community the power of poetry and art yeah and like how much to how much how important your own voice is and to like learn to speak yes yeah and also, I mean, at the center of this movie are dissenting parents who really want their, their kids to focus on their academics and focus. And this all goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning and throughout, which is finding yourself, finding the balance, and exploring what you want or need to explore to, to figure out who you are and what you like and who your people are. That's one of my all-time favorite movies, and I think that I probably was around your age, Tyler, when I watched it for the first time, and then I used to watch that all the time. All through high school, I would watch it, like, probably a few times a year. Um, I owned it on VHS at one point. Um, Yeah, yeah, when I used to have cable, I would watch it anytime it was on cable. I know. It was on a lot when we were, like, that age. Yeah. Yeah. It's super important, Um, I think. There's a quote in Friends, which is kind of how I feel, which is like, I like the, the movie's good. And I just was like, why did dude have to die at the end? Like, it feels like so unnecessary. And that was what was the joke in Friends was like, she was like, she was like, I really started taking Carpe Diem to heart. Have you ever seen Dead Poet Society? And uh, I think it goes like, yeah. And she goes, yeah, I went and saw it. And it was a waste of three hours. And she goes, and it made me really want to start doing things. Carpe Diem, which is <laughs> yes. hilarious because. But she goes, she goes, and I don't understand why that kid died. I mean, wait a year, go to college, take a part in community theater. <laughs> and it was, like, it was so funny because it was just like, wait a year. But then it, she's kind of right. Yeah. Nothing is as intense in high school as you think it is. 
No. I mean, that's kind of the yeah. lesson is like, maybe yeah. don't kill yourself because you can't be an actor. Yeah. Yeah. But also, Tyler, but, carpe diem. Seize yeah. the day. That is Mr. Keating's lasting words in Dead Poets Society to seize the day. Yeah. I have one last little suggestion, and this is not really a high school-centered suggestion. But Tyler, just based on your interests, uh, Aunt Susie tells us that you're really into parkour and classical music. And if you like like movement and feats of athleticism and you like classical music, I think you might really enjoy watching ballet. And so I don't have anything in particular to suggest to you there, except like maybe look up some videos of the Alvin Ailey Dance Company. I, I think they're my favorite and the, um, the dancers are super athletic um, and the style and um, the performances are, are a very like, like these beautiful athletic feats, which ballet always is, but it's very um, apparent in, in Alvin Ailey. But also like if you have the opportunity to go see a ballet in your town. Um, I think that's something you really might like. Yeah, parkour is beautiful ballet. Yeah. That's a great suggestion. Thank you. Yeah. Now I want to go see more ballet. Yeah, me too. It's, I always want to see more ballet. something that's been missing in my life. I don't go yeah. to a lot of, like, dance performances or, yeah. Carpe diem, man. Carpe diem, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyone have a last thing to say um well my this is something my mom always says um in terms of prepping for tests because my mom was both a math teacher of high school and uh she still tutors math so like she still gets a lot of high school students um and it is don't just study the night before get up early and do problems in the morning too. <laughs> freshen your brain and you get ready and and eat an egg sandwich for breakfast. Yeah. That's it. Very specific words to live by, Tyler. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's good practical Tyler, advice, give my mom's though, number. too, for high <laughs> school. Is. Like, you have to get up super early, eat breakfast. Eat breakfast, Tyler. Yeah. Please. <laughs> and if you got to eat, if you got to drink coffee, put some cocoa yeah. in that coffee. Before yeah. you carpe diem, eat some breakfast. <laughs> and eat like not just don't eat cereal every day you can have cereal if you want I'm not telling you don't eat cereal ever but like protein get you a good yeah egg sandwich my mom it was a very special thing in my life because I do not eat breakfast and so like before the SATs before soccer camp like things that I would go all day and play soccer before big tests my mom would make me have an egg sandwich and it those four days in my life, I felt like a normal human being and I wasn't a mess of caffeinated anxiety. And man, it really works. You feel like a good human. You got to eat and you got to get stuff in your brain. You got to get those nutrients in your brain so that you develop that brain. You grow and then you get out of high school and you yeah. do the Just dang thing. Keep carpe in yeah. that DM. Yeah. All right, Tyler. Best yeah, of luck, friend. Yeah, we wish you the you're best. Gonna, you're going to be great. You're you going to be great. Sack of stars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Now That We're Friends was recorded in front of a live studio audience made up entirely of our pets. Your hosts and three new friends are Caroline Cabrera, Ann Holmes, and Gail Thompson. Our producer is Lisanne, power to the people, Ramos. Our theme music is provided by Gail Thompson. Now That We're Friends is an O Miami production. If you want to ask us for advice to receive our recommendations, you can send a voice memo or written email to newfriend at omiami.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Now That We're Friends and on Twitter and Instagram at NTWF Podcast.